Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are now in the Corner Booth Podcast, a sports podcast from Billy Up Sports and the Billy Up Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jared Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Corner Booth Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Clem, alongside my two awesome sidekicks, Kevin Langley and Savannah Dean. Uh, quick announcement for y'all. Miss Savannah Dean has been promoted here at Belly Up. She is going to be hosting our new football podcast for the network, The Corner Route, starting probably around draft, uh, around uh, combine time, late February. So, Look out, you're going to see a couple familiar faces on that podcast. Me, Mike Brown, Kev, and Savannah's going to be running the show, so we're very proud of her. And uh, so if you're wondering why she's going to be disappearing the next couple weeks, that's where she's going. So we want to, uh, of course, congratulate her again on air, as we had told her before the show. But uh, we got a big show today. We have the college football playoff. Last night was, was amazing, the final finale of the season. And I'm going to basically go on and why Jared was right tour for about five minutes. And then we're going to summarize the coaching hires as Kevin Stefanski was, of course, hired by the Browns the other day. And we're going to talk about what happens next, what are you looking forward to the NFL season going forward. And division round, we had a great slate of games on Saturday and Sunday. And we're going to start getting ourselves ready and seeing what it's going to look like for no picks this week. But we're going to get ready, looking forward to championship weekend. All right, guys, uh, last night's game. Uh, when the way it started, the way when I was watching it, I looked at it. I just felt like, oh my god, this is it. Clemson just overwhelming LSU. There, I got it's it's they they're all it's, there's no shot. I thought I was I I had been driving the LSU bandwagon for the championship since week three, and. It's like I'm like last night I'm like oh crap here it comes like I'm just waiting for Clemson to do what they did to Bama last year, and then it just right around. It was like something snapped inside Joe Burrow's head, and I just watched an aerial assault from that man. I this is just just proves my point. LSU was the team of destiny this year. They beat so many top ten teams. Ed Orgeron's a perfect fit. <laughs> Burrow did not look rattled no matter how many blitzes they threw at Clemson. I mean, Clemson threw at him. Everyone was – there were guys getting open. Way too many damn penalties, though. Like, the refs were just making themselves a spectacle last night, which was driving me crazy. The targeting call was kind of bullshit. That's our only swear of the night, by the way. But it was well, very well justified. And, well, until I start talking. Yeah, basically. And I just – this game, it was just – it was fun to watch. So, uh, Kev – feel like you're about to open, crank open a frag grenade. So what do you got for me right now? I think what happened to Clemson this year is the same thing that happened to Alabama last year. I don't think Clemson looked as bad this year as Alabama did, but they played a joke schedule all season. And in the ACC, that's even worse because that's a joke conference. And they forgot how to play football. Basically. Now, going up against Ohio State, they still looked like they forgot how to play football at times. Trevor Lawrence didn't look that great, just like he, he didn't look great at the beginning of the season. But I don't think it matters how well LSU or how well Clemson played or how good their schedule was, because I have a bit of a hot take. I think this LSU team might be one of the best college football seat teams we've seen in at least the last 20 years. Oh, totally. I was – I would put them up there with, you know, the Reggie Bush, Matt Leonard, USC team – they're they're not at like the 2001 Hurricanes, which basically smashed everyone's doors in, but they're like they're different teams great. though. I know. Well, they're I, also the styles I, were different. I Miami, think Miami ran the football and would beat you up on defense and force turnovers, whereas you know this LSU team would just light you up on the scoreboard. 
I don't care how much money it would cost. I would pay all the money I would ever make in my entire lifetime to see the 2019 LSU Tigers go up against the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Oh my God, that'd be like the if like time machine crap or whatever we could fund it. Elon, get on this. I want to see this game happen. That would be, or at least in like NCAA, whenever they release the new EA Sports NCAA game, I want Kevin. We're gonna go on. We're gonna play this game. They gotta put throwback teams in there, and if they don't, I'm gonna be so mad. Well, they 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 did it from every year from like '04 on, so they have to. This has got to be one of the throwback teams because this is probably the greatest LSU team ever. They have, what, three national titles? This has got to be number one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this is better than their 58 team or the, I think 58 or their 07 team. Even their 07, even the team that won the, ti- the title with Saban, this is better. 03. Yeah. So they have four then, I think. Yeah, they have four chips. Do they? Yeah, four. Okay. They got to share the title with USC in 04, too, remember? Right. So, yeah, they have like four, they have three, four and a half championships. God, I hate the BCS. <laughs> um, that wasn't the BCS's fault. Yeah, that's true. That was pre-BCS. Well, not pre, but like, it, whenever that was going on, like, there would always be one random publication that would go, oh, no, this team's a national champion. So they could claim it. Like, um, UCF a couple years ago. One publication said they were national champions, so they said they were. Well, that was also during the college football playoffs, so it had, like, no validation at that point, but. Yeah. All right, yeah. I, I don't know. This was I, – I honestly – I thought the game was going to be closer. Well, at least it was until about the third quarter, but then it just felt like you just felt the tidal wave of what Joe Burrow and that offense was doing. Also – Awesome moment. I love seeing Randy Moss getting all hyped for his kid in the stands. That was awesome. For those who don't know, uh, Randy Moss's kid is the starting tight end for LSU. Um, Savannah, what did you think of the game last night? Well, when I was watching it, I kind of felt the same way as I did when I was watching the Texans-Chiefs game. You know how the Texans came out, like, blazing. I thought that's how it was going to be. I was like, oh, my God, Clemson is literally going to kill LSU. Like, what is going on? And then it completely. It completely switched. LSU just dominated the whole second half. Trevor Lawrence was off. He just did not look like the same quarterback he did last season or even earlier in the season. He had so many overthrows off targets. I don't think, I mean, that definitely had something to do with their loss, but LSU just dominated the whole second half. Gerald Burrow is phenomenal. All right. I'm going to post a couple, th- I'm going to th- run a couple thoughts by you guys quick before we go on the coaching search. First off, this this game was probably a good thing for Trevor. It wasn't like, you know, winning another title, yeah, it's great for Trevor Lawrence. But here's the thing. Trevor Lawrence, let's be honest, has not feel, faced many much real adversity, except for Savannah's Buckeyes punching him in the mouth for the first half. They they really haven't faced that much. He hasn't really faced too much challenge. I think it showed, I think since his freshman year of high school, he's lost like twice. It was a graphic they showed on Fox Sports 1. That's insane to me. So this kid really hasn't – he's been up by 30 so much in his college career alone that maybe getting smacked around a little bit is going to motivate the kid better because now he's got a whole nother year with a top five recruiting class. Might be number one. I can't remember at this point. It keeps shifting. But a top, a top five recruiting class, a lot of returning starters, and the same Trevor Lawrence. He's got one more year of eligibility like, – of, of like needed eligibility before he can go to the NFL – Oh, God, Trevor, this just helped Trevor Lawrence's career, getting smacked around like this, because it's adversity. He's got to learn how to deal with it, and he has to learn, like, it, it, you're not always going to be up by 30. That's not how the NFL works. Ask Andrew Luck how his uh, NFL career went when you uh, go to a bad team. So I think this works for Trevor Lawrence. Any thoughts? I mean, I, I think it can be a good thing for Trevor Lawrence. I think it's – a big deal of it is going to be how he reacts to it. Because Trevor Lawrence is kind of a bitch. <laughs> I don't know if you guys We're remember. We're trying to keep the language down, but, you know, Kevin just had to go there. I how, I couldn't describe him any other way. He's spineless? Nope. Because it's not even, a, like, a spineless thing. Like, there was a video that went around last year, two years ago, where he was playing intramural basketball. Oh, my God. Was, this got Mark so heated. The kid set a pick on him. A, it wasn't a hard pick or anything. And Trevor Lawrence started yelling at him running down the court and shoved him to the ground. 
Oh yeah, I saw him. Uh, that, that that was on you know like Barstool, ESPN, and everything. It went all over Twitter, like, and I think that kind of shows that yes, it could be a good thing for Trevor Lawrence if he can take away from it what he should. Oh dude, he's been pampered. He he's been like the golden boy. You know, he reminds me of reminds me of Golden Arm from Blue Mountain State. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like it's just the attitude, like, and maybe a little adversity, like you know, will get him like to humble. I mean. Also, nothing humbles you than a 250-pound uh, defensive end planting you into the ground on your first on your first pro snap. So, I think either way, Lawrence is going to get a wake-up call and he gets the league. But this probably will help him out a little more than just another win would have. Um, How is his like? I don't really know much about the Clemson coach, but is he one of those like hard-headed coaches that actually, uh, like like hit on his players like like discipline if discipline them if they need it or they just said that brooms them oh you did something wrong like it's not your fault type of thing because I feel like no matter how he acts if his coach doesn't act like a real coach then it's not going to do anything I think that's hard to tell at this point because it could be the way Dabo runs the program but there haven't been really many stories coming out about him disciplining his players or his players doing something that need to be disciplined yeah but also like Jared said with Trevor Lawrence, there really hasn't been a lot of adversity in Clemson the last couple of years. And I I do think Clemson is the – or not Clemson, Dabo is the exact opposite of Nick Saban. Yeah. I think he puts on this face that he's a really nice guy and he really – not saying he doesn't care, but he's like the media golden child, but he's actually a jerk. And Nick Saban seems like a jerk, but actually is a really good, caring person. Mm-hmm. And I think that that could help Trevor Lawrence if Dabo's just – screaming at him in the locker room at halftime like okay i'm not the god's gift to earth right but i don't know i also just hate dabo sweeney <laughs> yeah kevin's Kev got a little axe to ground him after the last national title um that he's like oh we're basically playing in baton rouge dude they chose this location years ago this is not because lsu's in it oh yeah no, he's he's basically a big meaty crybaby. I've never been a fan of Dab. I've never been a fan of Dabo. I haven't like hated him, but I'm like it's just Dabo. Like <clears throat> like nothing would make me happier than like in a year, a couple years when like you know praying that you know like there are ACT teams that have like you know resurrected themselves as somebody like like ruins L- uh, Clemson's like title chances. And like I want to see like Dabo, Pitt Panthers, like Virginia, even my even my Hurricanes praying to God like somebody just punches him in the mouth repeat punches their team in the mouth repeatedly and just knocks them out of contention for the, the uh, playoff that make me happy because I just feel like Clemson kind of has taken advantage of like you know every conference goes through a down cycle they still have like the one dominant team like the Big Ten had it a couple years ago the Pac-12 is kind of going through it right now the SEC had it a few years back when it was just Alabama and a bunch of garbage um what, what years were that uh, I don't know. It was like, what, three or four years ago. I mean, like they had like Georgia, but Georgia wasn't like legit, and they had Florida, but Florida basically had no quarterback. It was it was after the LSU. I can't remember the exact year, but I just remember like there was one year like the LSU. There was like one good team coming out of the West. I mean the East or whatever. So it was like Alabama, whoever Alabama was going to smoke and go into the title game. I don't have to go back and look at the records, but that's like every every conference has a couple years like that where like there's like one there's like it's one good team and then a bunch of average to bad teams. Still an average SEC team would smack the daylights out of an average ACC team, but you get what I'm saying though, Kev, right? Yeah, I think an average SEC team would beat the daylights out of a good Pac-12 team. Basically, Pac Pac-12 is soft as hell. Uh, but I don't know. It should be interesting to see going forward with uh, Clemson what happens. I think um, they still, you know, they're still getting all those great recruiting classes. But you know, college football is weird how it cycles out. Unless you're a guy like Saban who's just like a methodical, you don't last that long. Um, everyone thought USC's dynasty was gonna last forever. Texas ended that one. Uh, next up, one last thought I want to talk about is Burrow to the Bengals. I'm not. I got kind of I was more sold on Burrow last night. I I watched him enough, but watching him just take off and run and make plays off on the on the move and you know hit the hard throws and I'm like okay well and, you know they're the college's best defense thrown at him and I'm just like oh 
all right, maybe he won't get killed in Cincinnati. So yeah. I don't know. I, I feel more confident about it now than I did two weeks ago. I think Joe Burrow is going to do fine in Cincinnati. He'll have Joe Mixon. He might have A.J. Green. Tyler Eifert can still kind of make plays. He also, also the fastest man of fo- one of the fastest men in football in John Ross, too. So, I mean, he'll find a way to get that guy open. He's also 6'4", 216. Yeah, he's n- he can put on some weight. Well, but still, like last night it showed, and throughout the season it even showed a bit, he can take a beating. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, not, he didn't have to do it as much, but yeah. going through the SEC, you're going to t- take your hits. Mm-hmm. Ask Tua how that went. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. But I I think he's going to do fine in Cincinnati. Savannah, Burrow to Cincinnati, you feeling a little better about it now? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was never, I was never doubting it. I mean, I think that all rookies are kind of... They don't they don't get what they actually expect when coming into the NFL, but I I think we'll be fine. Basically, I, I look at like I was hearing a little bit of talk this morning, like we don't know how much longer Big Ben's gonna be in the NFC North. Lamar Jackson's gonna be the sheriff of that conference for a little while. Baker, I just I think Cleveland's a mess. So Burrow's kind of coming in at a year where He's getting a decent, like Kevin said, a, de- a good a good running back. He's going to have okay weapons. I mean, things could be worse for him, honestly. And, yeah, he's going to a Cincinnati team. But basically the reason they suck so bad was because Zach Taylor had nothing to work with. You give him a good draft and maybe a couple free agents. Like Cincinnati could be a, a six, seven-win team next year because I don't know what they're going to do in Cleveland. And that might – actually open up so actually that transitions us perfectly into coaching the summary of the coaching changes so of course you know we had what four openings uh the the uh cleveland browns in the entire nfc east besides philadelphia and am i missing any um no no so uh for summary ron rivera hired by the Washington Redskins. Uh, we had um, Joe Judge. Shout out to Kevin for bringing that guy's name up literally a day before this happened uh, to the Giants. And then we had Mike McCarthy going to the Cowboys. And of course, as I announced earlier, Kevin Stefanski was hired as the head coach of the Browns. So we already talked about the first three. Kevin Stefanski, the Browns, I don't hate it. I mean, the guy's offense is pretty simplistic, which might help Baker and Jarvis Landry and Njoku. You know, they like to use the tight ends, which was, will be good for them. I still don't know if they're gonna if if uh, Stefanski's gonna want to keep Odell or not. He might. Whoever the GM is going in, it's gonna be interesting. But I like the move. I don't love it, but I mean, it's the Browns. You gotta see with it. It's, it could be a complete train wreck again. We don't know. Kev. <clears throat> I don't know what to think about it, just because with the Browns, you're like, well, nothing could be worse than Freddie Kitchens. Yes, it could. They went 0-16 a few years ago. <laughs> but I do think it's interesting that Stefanski stayed in Minnesota from 2006 to 2019 under three head coaches. Obviously, when coaches come in, they like bring in their own guys and replacing them and while he wasn't really an offensive coordinator until 2018 when he was interim they Mm -hmm. liked what he could do and what he brought to the team he has to have some talent as a coach and I think that I'm hoping for Cleveland's sake but I think it will work out at least decently I think the play action will be because they have a good running back uh probably top five running back with Chubb and base and that could open up a lot of passing opportunities for a rhythm guy like Baker Mayfield which I feel like especially for a guy who struggled a lot with a lot of ink. I also feel like Savannah brought, has brought this up multiple times. Freddie Kitchen's play calling was just abysmal this year. So I feel like it could be more of a better fit for Cleveland. I just want to see what they do in free agency. That's going to tell you everything to know. They need to fix that offensive line before anything gets done because they need to be able to keep Baker upright. And two, I think Baker now – being humbled by how bad of a season they had, or hopefully he's been humbled a little bit. We get it, Baker. People have shunned you, like, but shut up and work. Like, nobody cares. I hope he didn't get humbled too much, though. 
you want a bit of that swagger in your quarterback. Oh, yeah, I know. But you want a little swagger. But also, there are certain times for swagger and there's certain times to put it away. And, like, that's something you can learn from a guy like, you know, your boy, Golden golden Boy Tom Brady. Is like, there's a certain times where you want to be Mr. Fancy Model, you know, swagging out, you know, high-fiving. You know, Tom Brady's got as much swag as a paper bag. But, like, there's other times you want to be intense. There's other times you want, like, as a quarterback, you got to realize that you're the leader of the team. You set the tone. And when you're, like, getting a snippy fights with the media – that's not showing a tone of leadership there. And I think what Baker needs to do to earn the respect of his teammates and the national media is basically like, shut up, work. Yeah, do your ads. But if you're not like working hard on Sundays, you're going to get ridiculed for it. Because right now your brand isn't like, oh, the progressive ads. Yeah, I get it. But every time I see those, I'm like, oh, it's Mr. Interception himself. So that, no, Mr. Bad Interceptions. Jameis just throws them for sport. So... <laughs> No, no, I think ba- I, I I jumped off the Baker train after the the four intercept three or four interception game he had midseason. Actually, I kind of jumped off it early after they got smacked by the Titans. I was just like, yeah, this doesn't look good. But I mean, uh, the Titans are running through the AFC's best, so yeah, and that actually is a perfect transition. So, well, actually, but we're gonna talk one more thing. What do you guys make of uh, Josh McDaniels not getting hired anywhere? He only got one interview request, and that was from Cleveland. And apparently they they butted heads on making sweeping changes in the organization, which I think they're going to do anyway. I heard an interesting point today. I was listening to a couple podcasts. Um, they, were, they were talking about like how he, how dirty he did Chris Ballard and the Colts last offseason or two offseasons ago that that made of like swayed teams from giving him an interview. What do you guys think about Josh McDaniels like going forward? Like, I, I almost have this weird theory, theory that Belichick's going to hang it up in two years, and he's going to be like, Josh, here are the keys to the empire. Continue the dominance, or something like that. It's going to be something along those lines. That's, like, the way I feel about this with, uh, with um, McDaniels. What do you guys think? I think it's bittersweet. I think part of it is Brady has a pretty good relationship with McDaniels. They've gotten into arguments on the sidelines, but... They haven't really had really bad issues together, and I'm thinking this might be a sign that they're keeping him on board or he's staying because Brady's going to come back. But also, after you run three running plays up the middle with that atrocious Patriots ground game in the playoffs, I hate it. I do not trust him to call plays after those, because they were in succession. It's not like he made three bad calls throughout the game. Three quick, bad calls on offense in the red zone on, like, the two-yard line. So I'm hoping that that doesn't become a normal thing. But also, I agree with you. I think I always thought kind of McDaniels was kind of like Vader to Belichick's Palpatine. Like, McDaniels would have to kill Belichick to become head coach there. (laughs) But as time goes on, it seems like Bill might be done soon. If Brady goes, I think he wants to show he can win one without him. But other than that, I think... If that takes too long, Belichick might just retire or go somewhere warm. Well, just like Star Wars, once the Empire dies, where's the First Order come from? So there's always going to be a baddie in the NFL. It never changes. Um, so uh, we, had, we had a crazy slate of games. I watched basically – the only game I missed a little bit of was the uh, early game on Sunday. Uh, I had to go drop my car off, so, you know, that happens. But, uh, um, yeah, basically – Looking at looking at um so the first game was um you know Vikings and 49ers. My initial thought was holy mother of god the 49ers defense is disgusting. My second thought was oh there's the normal Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? I'm gonna be honest. I completely forgot this game was on. I just wasn't interested in it. I knew the 49ers were gonna win. I was, was waiting for some some BS, but also I just wanted to see if the 49ers are going to be awake and ready to go, and they were from the start. Oh. I think that might be the, the most boring matchup all playoffs. I, I mean, I don't know, because this NFC title game, it might just be a – it may be just as boring. I mean, the Packers – the Packers are – I don't know. It's not like the Packers just bored sometimes, but I don't know. This is the game between them. I don't know if it's going to be like a repeat of what happened back in October or uh. – 
I, 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 it's going to be interesting to see. We'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit. We're not going to make predictions, but it's going to be interesting going forward with the title game. But the 49ers defense just looked angry. They looked hungry. And that team has that fan base rocking between Bosa and Kittle and that running game. Whew. And it's like my buddy wanted me to pick guys for that for like his fantasy and for like a one day fantasy league or whatever. And it was like just the Saturday matchups. And I picked a couple of 49ers. None of those guys got the ball. None of them. And it was the three guys who I passed up. Like instead of Sanders, it was the other receiver. Instead of Coleman, a more set, it was Coleman. And instead of Kittle, it was um, uh, Kittle. And Kittle only had 16 yards receiving on three catches. But he was the best blocking blocker on the field. So that's what makes Shanahan's defense, uh, I mean offense, so like mind blowing. Is like it's like trying to figure out which running back is going to get touches in a Belichick offense. You know what the hell is going to happen. So I think the 49ers are superiorly the best team in the NFC. And I mean we'll talk about Green Bay and Seattle a little bit because that game showed me a couple things. But yeah. They're they're on another level that even if it, okay let's say let's say by some miracle that New Orleans gets that W, New Orleans walks into Levi Stadium and gets punched in the mouth just as hard. That 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 San Fran team is ready to fight somebody and unfortunately Minnesota walked in with one hand tied behind their back. So Savannah, what did you think of 49ers Vikings? Well, the only reason I like watch this game is because if Minnesota happened to pull it out, I kind of wanted to see how in the world that would happen. Also, because if we if the Packers won and then Minnesota won, the Packers would have two home games. But, yeah, no, San Francisco looked – they looked incredible. It scares me half to death. They, they had the – I didn't think that Jimmy Garoppolo would come out swinging because I was – he's never been in a playoff game. I was like, oh – I think he's just going to collapse, and he didn't. I mean, he threw that interception, and then they just ran it down Minnesota's throat the whole time. This this team is scary. They have receivers. They have a tight end. They have three good running backs, and they have, a, like, a huge off, or defensive line, and they have Richard Sherman in the secondary. So this team is stacked. This The game was – I knew San Francisco was going to win. The only one peak for Minnesota was the fluke play with, um, with Stephon Diggs. Uh, that, that like the thing is with Dig, the Diggs play that was like so misleading. Oh, we got a ball game. And then I I get back I get back home on the highway and after my conversation with the uh, you know I of course I have to have a meeting with our boss every once in a week. But I get I turn the TV on and I'm like okay that was a misleading thing on Instagram. Thanks thanks NFL. I look on it's oh oh it's already oh they're already down with two touchdowns okay because like I I saw the opening two touchdowns. I had to get on the highway. I drive home. Had the meeting. Blah, blah, blah. I get back on. Oh, uh, oh, oh, okay. This is just depressing now. And I saw Bosa and that front four just get after Cousins repeatedly. And Minnesota just proved – I mean, not Minnesota. San Francisco proved they went, They could win shootouts, and they could win ugly. And I love it. They're such an adjustable team. And the more and more I think about it, the more and more I'm like, you know what? I thought – I had them as my third most likely team to win the Super Bowl – when me and Savannah did the show on Thursday, they basically smacked Baltimore in that top spot. Kansas City still stays at two, but I'm kind of worried for Kansas City because of what I witnessed Saturday night from Tennessee. Now, ten, I saw a lot of similarities between the Tennessee game and the Kansas City game, but unlike the, the Kansas City game, like, Houston looked shocked. They're like, what's going Like, oh, no. Baltimore looked shocked. Like, what's going on? And, yes, Lamar didn't play great. A lot of his stats were in garbage time. It just looked like he looked rattled. His receivers were dropping passes. It looked like he was just scrambling to find something to do. The play calling seemed off. Baltimore did not look ready for this game whatsoever. And what made it even crazier was that they had, yeah, they had a couple big runs with Henry. Where they were at the most deadly was the play-action passing. Baltimore was so terrified of Henry. That one throw to um, their slot receiver, who, whose name I didn't even know. He didn't know this guy existed until he got that touchdown. It was the second touchdown. to Janus Smith. And by the way, which might be one of the catches of the playoffs. 
It was the second touchdown. I was just like, when it was 14, I was like, what? what? It was a play-action ball down the seam, man-on-man coverage, and Tannehill threw a, a dart. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Baltimore does not look about this right now. And the vibe the whole entire game, it just looked like Tennessee just broke their spirits with with Henry. And I don't think we can understate this enough. He's a large man. He's what, Kev, 6'4", 240? Uh, 6'3", 237, I think. I'm not buying that. That's 6'4". They definitely shortchanged him on that on that height. He's a large human, and he runs, the, he runs what, a 4'4"? Four, four? That's insane to me. I watched this guy just four, out on safeties. I don't think it's a 4'5". I think it's it, it's a 4'4 four, four towards the end of the game. There's a lot of things about him. What did you say? I'm just going 40 time from the combine. Okay. The one thing about the 40 time from the combine... Those are misleading because Deshaun Jackson ran a 4-4, no, like a 4-3-9, and clearly he's faster than that. I don't think Tyreek Hill finished in the top five his year. So game speed and 40 time are two very different things. And with Henry, just it looked – he just looked like a – it looked like those Pop Warner videos like Kevin posted. (laughs) The Pop Warner guy – the adult from the Pop Warner guys around. It's – it looked insane to me, and – I almost, in the back of my mind, I don't want to pick, on Thursday, I don't want to pick Tennessee because I know if I do, they'll lose. But it would be awesome to see, be almost like the Arizona Cardinals the year they, that Fitz went out of his mind and started balling out in 08 with Kurt Warner and those boys. I would love to see Tennessee and Ryan Tannehill, you know, get to the Super Bowl. I would love to see them, you know, punch, like, stop Kansas City in their tracks, like get up and then just put, because that defense, that's it. Well, nobody's talking about it. That Tennessee defense is legit. They have fast linebackers. They have good corners. They have a top five safety and they have a good pass rush. And nobody's talking about how Mike Vrabel's put together a decent defense and they're making plays. And it's kind of just like, all right, I mean, stop, at least contain Mahomes. Like they're going to have to keep them below 24 points to win. But the Colts did it. So, hell, like, it's possible. So, I don't know. Tennessee, like, it's there's always that one team every playoffs who sneaks in and they just start, like, wreaking havoc. And it just always depends on how far they go. This game was kind of more, oh, my God, Tennessee is, in, is, is legit, more than, oh, my God, Baltimore just didn't look ready. I think... I think Kansas City, I think it's harder to do. The Ravens, with them, if you can stop the run, you can stop their attack, passing attack. I'm not saying that yeah. Lamar Jackson isn't a good quarterback. I think he he's, will get better, but I think without yeah. being built right now, stop the run, you stop the Ravens. And the Titans sold out and did that. They And then pounding the rock can open up passing for Tannehill, even though he doesn't have to pass a lot. It makes it easier on him when he does. Fair. One thing I'm going to add on about is also Lamar Jackson, he's still not completely refined as a passer. We've seen it all year. Everyone's like, oh, but he won the MVP. I'm like, he won the MVP. I'm like, yeah, but a lot of those stats were against really bad teams. And I look at everything that. These guys do like that. The Baltimore offense is set up with. And you're right. The run game starts off everything, so they can do the play action, they can do the deep balls. I think this is going to be the thing that Lamar Jackson has to improve in the offseason. Is like you know being a straight up drop back passer. Yes, he's got the option reads and stuff, but he's got to adjust because teams are going to just start loading up with this. So I'm I'm hyped for it. I think it's going to be really fun. Savannah, what did you think of the game? I mean, I picked I picked the Titans to win this game. I Oh, here we go. No, I mean, I was going to say that I just believed in them. Um, in the back of my mind, I didn't actually think that they were going to be able to pull it off. But because they had Derrick Henry, I assumed that it would be Lamar Jackson running for a touchdown and then the next drive, Derrick Henry running for a touchdown. Like, I thought it was going to be back and forth nonstop but Tennessee's defense really like 
stood up and showed out. I mean, the Ravens were eight of eight on fourth and ones all season. And then the two times that they went for it on fourth and one, they, they had, they held them. There was a stand and they turned it over on downs. Like that's absolutely insane. This Tennessee team should honestly, like Kansas city needs to be uh, prepared for them. Shouldn't, shouldn't underthink this team because Derrick Henry is a monster and that defense is good. I'm, I'm all about it. All right. Next up, Sunday games. Kev, we watched. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I just – the video of – I just thought of the video of Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend, fiance, whatever she is, um, going, everyone doubted us. And then I also thought saw, thought of the video I just saw with um, the mascot for the Chiefs banging his head against the wall after the 24 nothing start. I'm going to say, I'm like, what in God's name is going on right now at the AFC? I was like, how is it 24 nothing? And then I go upstairs. I, you know, got out of the shower. I'm getting out of the shower. I look over at the TV. I'm like, uh-oh, there goes Hardman. There goes, and I just saw the run. I'm like, oh, game over. Because then next drive, bang, bang, touchdown. Then, up oh, three and out, bang, bang, touchdown. Then, up oh, three and out, bang, bang, touchdown. I'm like, oh, here we go. This is what Kansas City is. And the second that they couldn't cover Kelsey, it's over. Damian Williams and Kelsey dominated that game from the start. Tyreek Hill didn't even need – Tyreek Hill and Watkins basically had to make an occasional catch. There's just so many weapons on that Kansas City team, and Andy Reid is such a good offensive planner and adjuster with Mahomes' talent improvisation skills that Kansas City is still – proved yesterday they are still the best offensive team in the league. I don't want – they don't want to hear none of that Baltimore BS – they they're still there. They'll they're still here. And honestly, a Kansas City San Francisco Super Bowl will be amazing. And that's why I think it's going to be. So spoiler alert. But it's all going to depend on what happens next Sunday. I have always said if you want to know how to stop a team in the playoffs, look at their film. Look who they lost to. Look how they did it. Because history tells you what how to beat a team. And so with film, like the, there's always one way to stop a team. So. Like, like Savannah, I hate to bring up the Packers, but yeah. when they lost, when they lost to um, the LA Chargers, the Chargers looked at Philadelphia's film. How did Philadelphia beat Green Bay? And pass interference, interceptions, whatever or not. So, like me and Kevin playing corners doesn't matter. They on offense, they ran the football that kept Rodgers off the field just long enough to slow down the Packers so they couldn't overwhelm them. Whereas the Chargers had healthy secondary. And we're able to slow them down and keep them off the field. That's how you – so every team has a weakness and because no team's going undefeated. You look in their losses, unless it's a fluke, like a tipped pass, there's always a way to beat a team. And that's the beauty of film right there. And so I think what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and I'm going to try to see if I can use that free trial of Game Pass and watch the most boring Sunday Night Football game of the year between Colts and Chiefs. And I'm going to try to see how did the Colts do it. So that's going to be the kicker for this one. Kev, what did you think of the game? I mean, I thought it was ridiculous how badly Houston messed up. Uh, Leads me to add a little validation to my conspiracy theory that the NFL is rigging it. So it's Chiefs Packers in honor of their 100th anniversary. But I think that, I mean, obviously it's not all on the Texans. Kansas City still has an explosive offense that can get going on a dime. But I don't think I don't think t- Tennessee's gonna let that happen. I think they game plan so well for the Ravens. They're going to completely switch it up, but I don't think they're going to be caught unprepared when Mahomes starts airing it out. True. Savannah, what'd you think? Well, I was shocked at the beginning, clearly being down twenty-four nothing. But when Houston went for that fourth down when they uh, fake punt it and they didn't get it. You kind of just felt it. Like, obviously, I wasn't even at the game. But with how explosive Kansas City is and, like, the momentum shift kind of changing, like them stopping it on the fourth down, the the moment that the Chiefs got that first touchdown, even to make it 24-7, I was like, oh, shoot, (laughs) it's over. Like, the Chiefs are going to dominate from here on out, and that's what they did. So I totally think, you know, 
And the worst part is the my point whole thing in the game was holy crap, Kelsey's good. Holy crap, Mahomes is good. I feel so bad for Deshaun Watson. Uh huh. And shout out to DeAndre Hopkins for I think he was playing with what do you have, bruised or broken ribs? Because he took a shot in, the, in that during that game. But you know it's it's unfortunate. The thing is with the Texans, they're only going to go as far as they go with Bill O'Brien, and this is about we're, we're going to see. I think they got to get rid of O'Brien. Like I'm surprised he isn't fired today. If the Texans were a smart organization, they would have let him go, but they're not going to because they have no. It, it's it would take them not making the playoffs. But the thing is, they're never going to make it past the divisional round. They have to play like a Buffalo to get out of the wild card round, basically now. So unfortunately, that's what it has to come down to. Is Bill O'Brien's got to go. They've got to get a legit young head coach who's going to utilize Hopkins and Watson. Like that is a like if I'm a if I'm an offense, Kev, and I have all those weapons, and like you know maybe in the draft I go out and draft another offensive lineman, maybe a tight end, maybe with Randy Moss's kid, and then you know maybe fix my problem at running back. Oh lord, that offense is basically a Madden offense. You have the best route runner. You have the best guy with the guy with the best hands and runs the best routes in football. Hopkins. You have two legitimately terrifying deep threats with Stills and Fuller, and you're telling me you can't light a team up for 45 points with Deshaun Watson? Oh, hell no. I'm, I'm like, I seriously think that uh, O'Brien's the problem. They don't even need to fix their running game. Carlos Hyde had over 1,000 yards this year. I know, and on, that was just a speculation, but it, like honestly, with Hyde, that's not a bad – he proved he's still a legitimate number one back, and him and Johnson's a good combo. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with uh, Lamar Miller coming back in the offseason. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically the offensive line. they got to fix that secondary. So, like, they really, really missed the Honey Badger there. So, that's all I got for this game. Uh, yeah, Kevin, you want to lead in for um, Green Bay, Seattle? The NFL is rigged. Rigged, I tell you. <laughs> they wanted to be. I wrote a whole article about this. They wanted to be Chiefs Packers in the Super Bowl, and they're going to get that, regardless of what the play on the field says. Savannah, do you actually read Kev's article? Or just share it. No, I just shared it. I assumed that it would probably be something like that because I've seen. I was even. I've even been thinking about that too. So. For for those who didn't watch the game, there was a horrible spot. That is causing a lot of controversy online. Oh, whatever. Okay. Devontae Adams put on Instagram a, a drawing because the official, the unofficial yellow line was not accurate. It was too far ahead. Right. Devontae Adams put on something drawn from the field marker that you could see, a red line. First off, the red line wasn't straight. It was an at an angle going further upfield. Not a big angle, but an angle. And also, the marker he drew it from is not the official line either. That is to give the team an idea, but the official chains were on the other side of the field. It was a bad spot, and could would uh, Seattle have won? Maybe not. They were still down, but it made it so they didn't even get a chance. The NFL is rigged. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with the situation, just but at the same time, you have to think about earlier in the game. What about where there was quote unquote no clear recovery from that? I don't remember who had the ball. The Seattle fumble. There was Allister. a big recovery by the Packers. Okay, just because at, after the pile is dispersed, one guy has the ball does not mean he recovered it. And also, the Packers cannot complain about getting hosed on calls in the playoffs. Dez scored a no. touchdown on them, and they're like, that's not a catch. Yes, just, it is. I've seen a lot of, like, a lot of people complaining about the spot, but it, I mean... They called it a first down. They reviewed it. They quote unquote got additional evidence, reviewed that, and it's still there was it was still called a first down. So. Yes, because the NFL refs always make the right call, even with review. <laughs> Fail very. Okay. <laughs> so, my my whole thought in the game was one. Oh, Seattle karma. <laughs> also, anybody else surprised Clowney got got called for a cheap hit <laughs> during the game? Anybody else like want, I should have put money on that one seriously. I, I there was probably some prop bet, but um my opening thoughts of the game were one DK Metcalf is probably a top two receiver this in this class. He's proved it. And Howie Roseman, you're an idiot. You should have called me because <laughs> I've been screaming for Metcalf since February. Mark told me I was an idiot. 
Mike told me I was an idiot. Now, Mike, Mike said he would rather have Hawkinson, but, you know. I, I said Metcalf will be a disgusting deep threat in this league. Yes, he doesn't run. Instead of looking for what a player – this comes off my rants of that I had for last call last week. Instead of what a guy can't do, look what he can do. And one thing Russell Wilson can do is lead comebacks. Thank Jesus the, the Packers lucked out that spotting because he was short. Russell Wilson could have gotten a touchdown. Also, thank God one of your one of your defensive backs sacked him on that two point conversion, or that, that their play calling may have changed. Green Bay got stuck by a banged up team, but what I'm worried about for Green Bay is because they're Green Bay is yes they are the best team in that division clearly, but they're they're coming into a stadium where they're not going to have the Colts as an advantage. Two, they are going to play one hungry, young, and angry 49ers team that. Yes, they smacked the daylights out of them back in the year, back early in the year, but this doesn't seem like a team who would take that lightly. Kyle Shanahan is too Belichicky and too much like his dad enough for for them to like look at that and be like, oh yeah, we'll cruise by him. I look at the Packers and the, the greatness of Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he's not a top 100 all-time quarterback. That was perfectly fine. Yes, he's. He's he underperformed with how much talent he had, but also that's with injuries and Ted Thompson being probably one of the worst GMs in NFL history. Sparkle it all you want. Rogers has so Rogers talent wise is an all timer. Stats and career top fifteen, top ten. But here's the thing, I still would rather take Brett Favre just because of the entertainment value. But with Rogers, as you saw, if it was for those two key third down throws. That game looks completely different. So good quarterback play can hide a okay team to a certain extent. Whereas, you know, like Cowherd brought this up today. He said, like, bad teams have gone to the the, uh, the title games. Jacksonville, Minnesota, um, Philadelphia in 08. That team had an awful secondary besides Brian Dawkins. And it's not the same. They had so many holes in that team. Um Andrew Luck with the Colts back in 2014, the deflate gate game. Kevin, you remember that very well. Um, anybody basically um, – last actually no, last year's NFC, NFC title game was pretty good. But it's – even like te- like Tennessee doesn't – like we don't know how Tennessee is. But if they get blown out on Sunday, we can be like, oh, well, you know, it's just another example. Getting Winning two or three playoff games is not – is where like you know it's not it's it's when you have to win that last one you have to play the best team in the NFC that's around because generally every year in the title game there's always one team that's the number one or two seed that's hanging around. With the Packers, the one thing that scares me is they rely. Aaron Rodgers has kept that team alive. Yes, they had a lot. Of, Aaron Jones scored a couple touchdowns yesterday, but yes, he finished the drive. But if it wasn't for a clutch throw from Rodgers against a struggling Seattle secondary, we're looking at a different game. So. It, is Rodgers going to be able to get those throws off with my boy Nicky Bosa in his face and with Richard Sherman covering Devontae Adams? I don't know. I It's not looking great. So all I'm saying is that the game last – it should – if the Packers – I would be more confident in the Packers going into this week if they beat Seattle by more than five points. That's all I'm saying. To me, it's – to me, I know Aaron Rodgers made like two really good throws the last – of the last drive to kind of seal it. But to me, I'm kind of looking at like the defensive side of the ball, like Preston Smith, he's the one that made the sack with like four and a half or so minutes left for the Packers to get the ball back to eventually seal the game. And Jair Alexander is the one that sacked uh, Russell Wilson on that two point conversion. Our defense has, uh, has looked so much better recently. I think it's definitely going to be more of the Packers offense against the 49ers defense because I think our defense has been able to step up to the plate and make big plays when they need to so I think they'll be able to do that against San Francisco's offense they're a scary team but Packers have been winning ugly all season so to me them only winning by five I knew it was going to be a close game I feel like any game that they were to play in the playoffs is going to be a close game because that's just the type of team they are this is their identity this season all right, fair enough. Um, yeah, uh, both games that I was very passionately, overly emotional about during my uh, picks last week, I got wrong. 
I should tell you something. Still I not going to change. Four. Yeah, four both times four. I got... What'd you say, Savannah? I said I was four for four. Ah. I went three and one. No, two and two, because I uh, picked Seattle, so that's fine. Kev, I think you went three and one. Ooh. <laughs> it's all right. La- ask Mark. Last year, I think I went 0-4 back-to-back weeks in the playoffs, and then went 4-0 both back-to-back weeks. So... <clears throat> No, then four and oh, then two and oh, and then I think I picked New England last year. Yeah, because I said golf was soft or something like that. I don't know. We have to go back to the board. But all right, so Kev, you got some weird stuff for us, huh? <clears throat> Not that weird, but before breaking news, Alex Cora has been fired by the Boston Red Sox. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about it. AJ Hinch was also fired today, and so was the GM, right? For the, uh, they were fired yesterday. Yeah, they were fired yesterday. We didn't cover that, but a little MLB news after talking all this football, but yeah, this is all connected with the, the 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 banging on the boards and the stealing signs stuff for the pitches. In the broadcast room doing it too. Yeah, I, this is MLB cracking down, and you know what? They have to. They have to crack down on these guys because it, it, you know they 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 keep Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame for betting on games that he wasn't even involved in, or I don't even know. I don't know. Like they the don't need to crack down on this. Every team has been doing it. Yeah. The only reason the Red Sox and the Astros are cracking down or being punished so severely is because they won the last two series. The Yankees were doing the same thing, but the headlines were always Astros and Red Sox. And then in the article, it would say how the Yankees did it too. The difference is the Yankees didn't win a World Series because they suck. Public perception. (laughs) Yeah. So for some reason, the Yankees are the golden boys of media. Yeah. You know, you don't want a title actually might help you out occasionally. I don't know. This is going to be interesting going forward with, uh, how um how like the rest of the league changes. I mean, also Nolan Arenado. I also was I also read that he might be traded in the next two, in the next week or so. Coming off the he's got like an eight year extension. Like what? Like eight months ago? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently the Rockies are trying to ship him off. He's more likely to get dealt now apparently than Mookie bets. Good. Don't trade Mookie. Oh no, Mookie's still gonna move, but they're thinking like that Arenado is gonna move faster. Hey, listen. Arizona, send them Escobar. I want Nolan. That altitude with his bat speed, yikes. I'll take I'll take him and uh him and uh Nick Ahmed on on the left side of our infield. No balls getting past them. Two goal glovers, hell yeah. Um and Arizona would make a pl- trade like that too. Come on, if you make an all-star team for Arizona, you have to get traded at least one year after. It's kind of the rule. Um so Kev, weird stuff. What you got for me? It's not quite weird. As we all know, there were there are brush fires going across Australia right now. 25,000 koalas are feared to be dead. And there's um, 17.9 million acres have been burned. We're all very upset about that at Belly Up Sports. If you go to the Belly Up store, powered by Design Tree, you can buy a Belly Up Down Under shirt. It has a map of Australia in the front with a koala on the back and 50% of proceeds will be going to the Australia zoo wildlife hospital. So if you want to do your part, get some cool shirts while you're at it, head over to the store and help out as best you can. Hashtag save the koalas. I thought it'd be pretty funny. All right. So, um, last call. Uh, so let's kick that smooth jazz. We haven't said that in a while. Um, wow. Kev, you beat, ESPN. Good job. Woo! <laughs> I literally just got the update at 7.35 on Tuesday. But, um... That's my phone. That's, that's our boss. Um, Mr. Mike Brown texting me randomly. Um, last call. So, ladies and gentlemen, I find something interesting. Um, everyone knows, you know, a couple years ago, we were talking about the, you know, it was the death of the running back. Always draft him later. Yada, 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 yada. You know, fullbacks are an, inda- are, are, are an extinct species. Blah, 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 blah. This NFL season has been a dream for me for multiple reasons. My favorite position, if you guys don't know, is running back. One of my favorite players growing up was LaShawn McCoy and Brian Westbrook. And I, like, I loved running backs. That, it's my favorite position to play when I play in you know, like a touch game or whatever. It's my favorite position to do in like Madden career mode. It's my favorite thing to watch. You know, I, I love running the football. It's just so pure. Passing, passing, passing's fun. But there's something about the balance of running and passing I love. So this year, 
not only do we have multiple thousand-yard rushers, we all—I think it was what five or six. Savannah, want to give me a stat check on that one? Yeah. How many thousand-yard rushers we had, and then uh, also uh, Derrick Henry is dominating the playoffs as a with a run-heavy team running back. We had a thousand-yard rusher quarterback. We had my favorite team draft who is going to be their first thousand-yard rusher next year, Miles Sanders. He had eight fifty on like a tenth of the carries and what some of these guys had. Not tenth, but probably half. And we had fullbacks. Fullbacks. The great men they are coming back into usage in the NFL. Like Kyle Juszczyk and the guy from on, of the 49ers. Um, the guy from the Patriots whose name always escapes me. I love this. I love that fullbacks and running backs are getting their due. We have guys getting drafted early again. It, it makes me happy. I hate I hated these, oh, running backs are indispensable. Yeah, ask the Texans how that went until Carlos Hyde started getting going. It's running the ball is essential in football. It'll never change. These 7-on-7 seven seven passing leagues, it only does so much because the second you get a pass rush in, nothing negates a pass rush like a good running game. And I'm telling you right now, I love that football is going back to being balanced again. There is, there's running the football. There's power running. Derrick Henry. That's why he makes me so happy. Is because it's, t- it's telling you know what? Yeah, you can, you can throw the ball over the damn yard, but you know if you can't pound the rock, look at the Packers this year. If they didn't have Aaron Jones going off, they would be a nine and seven team and probably would have missed the playoffs. That man is a monster. He's a top ten running back, eight or nine. And you know what? He's a big reason why the Packers have to go along with that pass rush. So you know what? I love the fact that running backs are making a comeback this year. So, hey, teams, go sign yourself a fullback. Make a big man happy. Let's get this back going. Uh, also, another great uh, running uh, fullback, Anthony Sherman of the Chiefs, by the way. Um, also, the only NFL player ever to come out of my high school was a um, running – was a fullback. Matt, Matt Bannon played for the Chiefs for like four years. So, Yale grad. So there we go. 16, by the way. No, not Bannon. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. Shane Bannon, that's his name. Um, 16,000-yard rushers this year? Yes. Oh, glory, glory, hallelujah. Also, by the way, the Patriots fullback was on IR all season. Damn it. They used a linebacker. Even better. I love it. I am pro fullback. (laughs) Here in the corner booth, we are pro fullback. I think that might be one of our, our t- we, we have to do a belly up t-shirts. Uh, we have to do our corner booth t-shirt collection soon as our new logo is almost ready. I think um, kick the smooth jazz and I am pro fullback might be our two first shirts. I'm totally down for that. All right. Um, that about wraps it up. Uh, we want to, of course, uh, thank Savannah for her season with us and She'll, don't don't worry, folks. She'll be coming. She'll be coming back in and visiting occasionally. But be sure to check her out as she launches the new Belly Up Football Podcast, the Corner Route, coming to you in February. We're extremely proud of her. And don't worry, I'll be on that show because you know everyone needs to hear my voice more. And uh, Kev will visit as well. So we're very proud of her, and we want to wish her congratulations. And we are excited to get this finally off the ground after I've been trying to fight to get this podcast off the ground since last August. So, yeah. That that wraps it up for me, Jared, me, Jared, uh, Kevin and Savannah, and we will see you guys Thursday. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Corner Booth Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at Corner Booth Pod.